Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Joining me today is Toby Nelson with the U.S. Census Bureau covering Washington State and he is going to let us know not only what is good about the census, but how and why we want to fill it out. Toby Nelson, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. How crazy is this? The last time we talked, we were going to get this census done and people were going to get jobs and then COVID hit. We've been meandering down kind of a winding path since then. I don't think we could have predicted this last time we spoke. So Definitely not. In fact, we had like eight or nine weeks of absolutely no traffic. That's my job here. So I talked about filling out the census. I tried to find things that weren't going to necessarily be on the news, but I took everything that you told me from the interview. And I'm like, if you fill out your census now and online, nobody has to knock on your door. (laughs) Well, that must have done something because we've actually seen wonderful response uh, figures, not just in Washington, but throughout the Northwest and nationally, actually. So I think a lot of people took that to heart. And when they were at home with nothing to do, they, they spent that 10 minutes filling out their census questionnaire. So unfortunately, the public health emergency is not something we would want, but there has been a little bit of a silver lining in terms of of census response. Hey, however we can find a silver lining, I'm all in. There you go. (laughs) So tell me more about that. Do you have stats on that yet or or like what's next or... Yeah, I sure can uh, give you a couple of stats. You love stats. I love stats. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that from last time. Just to recap, we began accepting responses to the 2020 census back in March. And that was just kind of when things were starting to hit with COVID-19 pandemic. So as of now, today, which is July, when we're speaking, 61.8% of the country has responded to the 2020 census. And Washington, actually, that number is a lot higher. 67.2% of the state of Washington has uh, responded to the 2020 census. So in fact, we're right about equal to what our pre-COVID-19 predictions were that we would be at this point. Everything is going very well nationally and locally here in Washington. So what do you anticipate or can you even as far as the next the next step. Yeah, so looking ahead a little bit, um, again, right now we're really encouraging people to continue to self-respond to the census. For those households that do not respond online at 2020census.gov through the toll-free number at 844-330-2020 or by returning their paper questionnaire, we will next be sending enumerators to go door-to-door. That process, which is called our non-response follow-up operation, begins at the beginning of August. So people do have a little bit more time to self-respond. We really do encourage people to do it. When you self-respond, we get better data. It costs less. And when it costs us less, that means it costs the taxpayer less, obviously, because we're funded by taxpayer dollars. But overall, we're doing very well in Washington. And if we could get just a few more households to self-respond, we would really be sitting pretty. We have a couple of really highlight areas that I should call out. The city of Seattle early on was actually the best responding big city in the United States. And by big city, I mean cities with the pop- in the top 50 in terms of population. Seattle, yeah, absolutely wonderful. So Seattle has dropped a little bit, edged by Louisville, Kentucky, but still in the number two spot nationally. Of the top 10 cities in Washington, of the 10 cities with the largest population, Spokane is in the lead. And I'd like to take a moment also just to call out Briar in Snohomish County. Really? Yeah. Briar population of about 6,000. It falls off a lot of people's radar, but it's actually the best responding municipality in the state of Washington. And in fact, it's one of the top 100 in the United States. So 
just to put that in context, there are more than 19,000 towns and cities in the United States, and Briar is in the top 100. So fantastic job to Briar. Way to go, Briar. Shout out. There you go. <laughs> so here's my observation first. I was going to just be the model citizen. I got my census. I opened it up. My plan was to fill it out, put it in the mail. But then when I opened it, I was like, oh, I can do this online. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, I better save some time. But it didn't take hardly any time at all. It was, and I'm, okay, I do work on the computer daily. So I do have some skills, but I'm not your master computer person. And it was easy for me. So I feel like people need to know that it's really pretty easy. It is. It is. We've tried to make it as easy as possible. And you're right. It doesn't take very long. There are only 10 questions and we estimate at most it would take the average household 10 minutes. So if you think of it, you only need to do this once every 10 years, that's 10 <laughs> minutes every 10 years, that's not that big of a time commitment. So you're right. If if you haven't done it yet and you can go online, it'll just take you a few minutes and you'll get that out of the way. You won't have to get a knock on the door or a visit from uh, one of our enumerators. While they would love to, to speak with you, I'm sure a lot of people a lot of people would rather not get that knock. So yeah, 2020census.gov. And if you don't have internet access, you can also call our toll-free number 844-330-2020. And then what would happen if I called that number? Well, essentially, the operator at the other end of the line would ask you the same questions that they would that you would otherwise be responding to online at 2020census.gov. And we get the information that way. Toll-free number is beneficial if you have some difficulty, if you're not sure how to respond to a question and you need some clarification, the operator can walk you through that. Or again, if you don't have, have internet access. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we do still offer the paper response option as a method. And those went out in March. I should note, however, that more than 87% of Washington households have chosen the online response, just like you at 2020census.gov. So that's been very popular this year. Interesting. And also with COVID, of course, we know for kids to have school, they have to have internet. So internet has been way more available. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, obviously, the COVID-19 emergency is not something we would we would want, but it, there has definitely been a silver lining in terms of, of ensuring the responsiveness to the census. And some of that data from the census is really important to prepare communities for public health emergencies. That data is used in part to allocate funding for things like emergency services, police and fire services, uh, hospitals, uh, roads, disaster funding. So really a, a good way to help out and plan for, uh, you know, God forbid, the next uh, the next exigent event that we have. The uh, 2010 census basically determined how we handled COVID-19, right? Yes, absolutely. So a lot of people do already know that the census is used to apportion seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, but they don't know that that census data is also used to allocate how more than $650 billion per year in federal funding flows to states and communities. And so so data from that 2010 census, you're absolutely correct, did determine how funding to hospitals, uh, emergency services, and so forth through federal grant programs flowed to to localities in preparation, fortunately, the COVID-19 event this year. So like you said, God forbid, we have another one. But if we do, Seattle and Breyer are going to be sitting pretty. Yes, that's true. And, and we want all of Washington to be sitting pretty. So if everybody could just respond and avoid that visit from the enumerator, that will be great. Obviously, everyone's going to get counted uh, either way. It's just uh, we would really encourage people to self-respond so that we don't have to go visit you at your home. And the census is so necessary. And what I, I listen to a ton of podcasts, and I can't tell you, Toby, how many times I've heard people say with Black Lives Matter, with COVID, with the upcoming election, that the best thing we can do is, number one, 
register to vote. Number two, what people are saying is fill out your census. Voting and census response are really linked in in a lot of different ways. So how we vote, who we vote for in terms of where our residence is located in the legislative district or councilmatic district or congressional district, that's all that's all determined by census data. So really, they're two sides of of the same coin. The census determines uh, where we vote, and then of course registering to vote determines how you vote. So it's uh, yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's definitely tightly linked. Before you and I talked, it was census, and whenever we hear census. Remember in the Bible, Mary and Joseph went for the census, and it always felt like counting. To me, it felt like, well, an unnecessary evil. But now, the more I know you and talk to you, the more I realize how it's really a good thing, and it's an important thing, and it's going to benefit all of us as well as our children 10 years down the road. Yes, absolutely. Since we only do the census every 10 years, that really does underscore what you said, the importance of getting an accurate count this time, because there's no there's no do-over. Uh, we don't do this every six months, every year. We only do it once every 10 years. So if you have a child who's one, two, three years old, 10 years from now, when they're uh, 12, 13 in middle school or junior high, a lot of the funding that their school is going to be receiving in terms of grants and aid and, and so forth through the federal government is going to be ter- determined by the responses to the 2020 census this year. It has very long-term impacts and long-term implications. And I feel like so many kids are home, and we're calling it homeschool, even though we know the teachers. (laughs) The teachers are doing a lot of work here. But I feel like it's an opportunity. It's a teaching opportunity. And a lot of parents are doing like, they're calling them summer camps, where they're teaching the kids to cook and different things. I feel like this is an opportunity to share something that here we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of Black Lives matter. We're in the middle of a very heated election. Uh, the census is really important in all of that in that to tie it in with the kids. So in 2030, 2040, they realize and get right on it when it comes out. Yeah, that's a great point. And I should take this moment now, if I could, just to plug one program that headquarters uh, back in Silver Spring, Maryland has come up with to sort of wrap into stay-at-home teaching that a lot of a lot of families are experiencing. And that's our statistics in schools program. We have a variety, if you go to our website at census.gov, of teacher-created resources for pre-K through 12th grade that are easy to adapt for home learning. Parents can use that to help children educate their children on uh, basic math and statistics skills and also inform them about about the census and how the census uses statistics to guide the allocation of funds and, and elections and so forth. So it's kind of a, a blended civics slash mathematics lesson. And, and if you go to census.gov, we have a lot of free resources that parents who are at home uh, teaching their children may find useful. Most schools are out now and we are on summer sure. break, but I feel like a lot of the kids, they get to keep their Chromebooks, they're going to keep learning. And right. so this is great. So tell me again where we go and what we look for. Yes. So if you just go to census.gov, which is our, our website, and if you click on the bar across the top, there is option that's called uh, Browse by Topic, and you just want to go to Program Surveys, and the program is called Statistics in Schools. And we have a variety of downloadable resources there um, that are perfect to adapt either to a classroom setting or to a homeschool setting. Perfect. And I will definitely attach that to the program notes. Great. So here's another thing that I've been wondering about. So you did add an extension, right? Because the door knockers were going to be going out earlier. So they will be going out in August. Is that what I heard you say? 
That's correct. So initially the plan was to have to begin doing uh, in-person enumeration, and that's where we send staff to visit households that have not self-responded. Originally the plan was to do that uh, beginning in May. So we've extended that a little bit, and they're now going to be starting at the beginning of August. And part of the reason we did that is because uh, in May, the situation in terms of the health situation was still a little bit in flux, and we also wanted to modify our procedures a little bit to make sure that uh, everybody who was contacted would be contacted in the safest way possible. So we've added, uh, in addition to, to the training that our new riggers receive, we've added uh, social distancing uh, training. Uh, they'll also be uh, issued with protective masks and gloves. Now, the census does not really require a whole lot of intimate in-person contact. A contact from an enumerator is roughly uh, equivalent to contact that a mailman, you would have with a mailman when they deliver mail to your house. So, uh, but we still want to be extremely careful out of prudence and caution. So yes, phase of the census, what we call our non-response follow-up operation will now be starting uh, in early August. Again, though, you can avoid a uh, visit at all by an enumerator by just going online to 2020census.gov and responding. The other thing I should note that we modified slightly due to the COVID-19 situation is we've extended the deadline to self-respond. So while uh, door knockers or enumerators begin visiting households at the beginning of August, you can still actually self-respond all the way up until the end of October. So we've had a little bit more time to allow for people who might be in, in unique uh, living situations to get settled in and, and respond to the census. We've also moved forward what we call our service-based enumeration program, and that's our specialized uh, count that uh, uh, counts persons experiencing homelessness, and that will now be occurring uh, in September. So a, a few minor operational adjustments, but overall, uh, the census is really right on track. So what if somebody is living out of state, they're in the military, they're in another country for some reason? Sure. Uh, how how do you, like the people here, how do they let them know what to do? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. So we look at, when we talk about the census and where you're responding um, in terms of your household, uh, to the census, August, April 1st is what we call the reference date. So you want to fill out your census questionnaire with the location you were living in on a usual basis on April 1st. Now, when we say usual basis or usual residence, that means the location that if, if I were to ask you, where do you live, that would be the location you would answer. So uh, in the case of a, of a, a person in the armed forces, uh, that, that, that'll, that'll vary a little bit, whether they're on a deployment or um, whether they're posted to a specific location. Now, with the armed forces, if you're living um, on base in barracks, uh, actually the Department of Defense will be handling the enumeration there. You won't even have to respond. If you're living um, off base in private housing, uh, we would ask you to respond to the location you're usually living in as of April 1st. So that might be looking back a few months. Um, kind of the example that I always give, and this is, doesn't necessarily apply to the military, but just to um, the public at large, uh, if you are, um, if I, for instance, live in Seattle, but I was um, on vacation in, you know, I don't know, uh, Los Angeles on April 1st, I would still respond to the census uh, with my residence in Seattle. Because if somebody asked me on April 1st, our census reference date, where do you usually live? Uh, Seattle is where I would say. So, What about college kids? They all had to come home early. Uh, are they yeah. under their parents counting or do they do their own? How does that work? So yeah, that's a that's another great question, and that does get into a little bit of uh, a little bit of a dicey situation that we've we've experienced with the uh, COVID nineteen um, pandemic. But again, um, wherever they would usually consider their residence to be on April first. So for a lot of uh, college students, if you're living on campus in a dormitory or in a fraternity or sorority, and you went home to your parents uh, for 
a few months and you plan to then return uh, to your previous living situation on campus, you would respond uh, to with your dormitory address or your fraternity or sorority address. Um, if if that if as of April 1st, that is where you considered yourself to be usually uh, living. Now, if you've completely moved home uh, to the parents, for instance, uh, and you don't plan on returning, then, then you, would, you would use uh, their address. Another, another uh, situation that we often get to um, in the Seattle area, because we have uh, Seattle is such a major international port, is what about merchant mariners who are on a ship at sea on April 1st? The guidance there, again, it follows wherever you usually live. So if you are a merchant mariner who's departed the port of Seattle, on April 1st, and as of April 1st, you find yourselves at sea, you would still respond with your your onshore address uh, as of April 1st. And for people that are a little nervous about privacy and all that, can you tell us what the questions are? Yeah, so the questions are very basic. In fact, many of the questions haven't changed since 1790 with the first census. <laughs> so, yeah, there are about 10 questions. Uh, we ask the names of everyone in the household, the relationship of each person in the household to a central point, uh, to the head of household, um, the ages and dates of birth of everyone uh, in the household, the ownership status of the house, whether it's owned or rented. Uh, We also ask for uh, race and ethnicity and a few other minor questions besides that. So the questions are pretty simple, pretty easy, only about 10 questions. Uh, Some people, if they're census veterans, they may remember that we used to have a short form and a long form census in past decades. Roughly 80% of the population would get the short 10 question census and a small segment would get a longer census. That uh, is not the case anymore. Everybody gets the same short 10 question census. Uh, now to the question about privacy, that's a great question. It's one we get a lot of. And just to put everybody's minds at ease, uh, the U.S. Census Bureau is actually bound by law to protect individual responses to the census and to keep them strictly confidential. So Every employee in the Census Bureau, myself included, um, has to take a lifetime oath to protect the confidentiality of any information um, that they come across. And violation of that oath uh, carries with it a, a five-year prison sentence and a quarter-million-dollar fine. So that's, that's written into law under Title 13 of the U.S. Code. And it also ensures that your private data is protected and your answers can never be used against you by any government agency or court. So at the Census Bureau, we do not share or transfer information with other government agencies. In fact, we're prohibited by law even from sharing it with uh, law enforcement or intelligence agencies, even in response to a subpoena uh, or a search warrant. Um, If you're responding online at 2020census.gov, some people are apprehensive about transmitting personal information over the Internet. Um, The Census Bureau uh, encrypts all of its information, all data that's transferred, both in in transit and at rest to NIST standards, that's National Institutes of Standards and Technology Standards, and that's all stored on a private internal server that is not connected to the internet. Access to that is restricted to a very small number of Census Bureau data scientists, and their access, in fact, is strictly monitored and audited. So, you know, the U.S. Census Bureau is one of the um, is is entrusted with safeguarding a lot of personal information on Americans, and we've never had a, a significant data breach in the modern history of the census. Now, I should note as an asterisk to all that, in 72 years, all of the individual responses that we've collected to the census will actually be transferred to the National Archives. At that point, they will be viewable by historians and genealogists and so forth. But short of some miracle of medical science, that will be outside most of our lifetime. So. 
Wow. It's good to know that because there are still people that feel funny about putting things out on the Internet. The newer generation, you know, they're like, whatever. The older generation is like, I'm not putting my credit card and not that you have to. But the questions seem very easy and very benign. But also, if somebody is concerned, there's three ways. You can do it online, you can mail it in, or you can call, or you can wait for four ways. Wait for the knock on your door, right? Yep, absolutely. We've got a number of different ways. Now, um, like I said previously, I prefer people self-respond rather than to wait for the knock on the door. But, um, you know, if you do wait, uh, you will get that visit from an enumerator beginning in August. Uh, They do keep coming back (laughs) until they're able to track you down. As a very last resort, we have what we call proxy response. If after several attempts, they're unable to make contact with you at your household and you have not self-responded, they'll then try to get information from your neighbors on you. We encourage people to, to self-respond and, and failing that, just please do answer, answer that knock at your door from the enumerator. I feel it's like Nike. Just do it. Just get yeah, it over exactly. with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, the good thing, it only happens once every year, but we are we are pretty relentless in, in trying to get make sure everyone is counted. So. Right. And that that it's a positive, good thing. And it's not this negative, oh, it's like, just give us your information. Your city will get money. When we have another pandemic, which hopefully we never will, right. uh, still, you know, it has shown us how very important. And I mean, I, in my lifetime, I have never heard the census brought up so much. I mean, it's something we do. We know it's every 10 years, but to hear these podcasts saying, register to vote, fill out your census. To me, it makes, it makes me realize that we're doing ourselves a big favor. If we, you call it self-report, if we fill this out, get it done and don't have, oh, which reminds me, what about jobs? Are they still hiring? Um, so, so we're just wrapping up uh, hiring now. If people still are interested in working as an enumerator, we do have a few positions um, that we're still trying to fill in a few uh, areas in Western Washington. If you go to 2020census.gov slash jobs, um, you can uh, fill out an application online there. Uh, the pay rate in King County is uh, $23 an hour. Wow. And these are positions that will help us with our, our non-response follow-up operation, which involves going door to door. Um, again, we've mostly wrapped up our hiring, but um, certainly I would encourage if people are still interested to go online and submit your application online. Yes, definitely. Well, that's good to know because, you know, as we all know, many people have lost their jobs. Yes, absolutely. And so if that's a, a possibility, that's great. What you mentioned before is really true. The census uh, is nothing to be afraid of. It's certainly an institution. We've been doing it every 10 years since 1790. This is the 24th census. If you think about that, there really aren't many things that the U.S. government sponsors that are older than the census. Maybe the, you know, the U.S. Marine Band and Mm. uh, Fourth of July celebrations and maybe a few other things, but um, there are very few things that have been consistent and as old as the census over time. 240 years, we are the most consistent um, and uh, longest existing census uh, that currently exists in any world today that's sponsored by any country uh, on this planet Earth. And and pretty much every country on the planet uh, does a census. The U.S. Census Bureau is definitely the gold standard of those. So this is over when we wrap up the census. Do you lose your job or is there more things that you will have to do (laughs) with it? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a great question. So 
Uh, I think a lot of people are under the perception that uh, we at the Census Bureau, that, you know, they lock us in the basement and then every 10 years they let us out and we go to the Census. And then My, how you've grown. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not entirely true. Actually, uh, the Census Bureau produces over 100 statistical products every year. One thing that's been in the news lately is the unemployment figures. Those are released by our colleagues at the Department of Labor, but it's based actually on data that we at the Census Bureau collect every single month. We also do a major survey called the American Community Survey that goes to about 4.4 million households, and that's an annual survey that we do every single year, and that uh, drills down into um, some of the more detailed uh, aspects of the socioeconomic complexion of the country that the every 10-year census does not. So it gets things like um, uh, income, education status, those types of uh, demographic and psychographic questions. So there are a variety. The, the National Crime Victimization Survey is another is another uh, product that we produce. So actually, the Census Bureau produces a lot of stuff between those decennial censuses, but certainly the every 10-year census is kind of, you know, our senior problem. <laughs> I love it. So, so we have about 35, let me just to put that in context for a second, there are about 35,000 uh, uh, employees of the Census Bureau, but during the decennial year, uh, which is this year, of course, we'll swell to approximately half a million employees uh, at the peak of our operations. Let's just wrap this up with a few things. One, there's four ways to fill out your census. Why don't you tell us those? Yes, absolutely. You can go online at 2020census.gov. That's 2020census.gov. You can call a toll-free number, 844-330-2020. If you still have your paper questionnaire that you received in the mail in March, we would also encourage you, if you don't want to use the internet or you don't want to call us on the phone, to fill that out and mail it in. And then, of course, if all else fails and you don't respond in any of those ways, uh, beginning in August, you'll start getting a knock on your door. But, of course, we try to avoid that. There are also... Uh, some other things for classrooms, for parents? You just go to census.gov. So oh, drop okay. the 2020. Uh, we have a program called Statistics in Schools that provides a lot of information and curriculum aids that both teachers as well as homeschool teachers can use as part of their civics lessons, as part of their statistics and math lessons. You know, the Census Bureau really is a, a statistics and data-driven agency. So we're a little bit of a unique position to, to help provide some um, some curriculum guides and, and our curriculum guides through our statistics and schools program have been developed both by uh, 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 data scientists within the Census Bureau in conjunction with K-12 teachers throughout the country. So it's really a, a valuable resource that we've had a lot of good feedback about. Terrific. Well, thank you, Toby, so much. You have, you just, boy, educated me even more, and I have loved getting to know more about the census. Well, you you make it really exciting. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope you've learned something new. I know I did, and I know I already filled out my census, so I hope you will too. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people making a difference in our community.